Any other panelists want to add in? 30-second chime in. Can I jump in? Because yeah. God's been working on this. And actually, we're talking about this on staff because it's a big thing to talk about, like that we don't mishear God or we don't say that he's saying something to us that isn't true. But I will tell you that he does, for me, I, as I am in his word and praying and listening and asking him things, he reveals things in his word that either confirm what I know he's kind of prompting or teaching me. Um, I could give you some examples, I guess. But um, then he uses people sometimes, too, to say the same thing to us. Like, God repeats himself to me in his word, somebody on the radio, someone in my life. And it's scriptural, but I know that he's directing me in what I should do next. Or he's confirming, yes, you're on the right path. Um, this is a totally odd example, but just this past week, um, I was doing my Bible study, and I'm walking through what does this mean to me when Jesus gave his life um, went into his arrest boldly. And I just wrote in my Bible study, he's got this. Like, he, he's got this. He knows what we need, and he has saved us for eternity. He's got this. And like two minutes later, a friend texted me and said, she was, God prompted her to pray for me that morning. And I said, yeah, this is going on, and my husband's got these tests, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, he's got this. And then not two days later, one of my friends was like, I am has got this. So that's a silly thing. That's not in the Bible, those words. But it's true that God has got our eternity and every, he can handle every little thing in our lives. That's a thing that he, like, he's like repeating himself to me in multiple ways. Like, hey, <laughs> you're not in charge of everything, Wendy. And those are things I, but that is true from scripture that God is in control. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of the times he's using a scripture that he repeats to me. It's not usually those kinds of words. It's scripture that God is putting in front of me. So you got to be in the word to hear from him because that's what he has written for us. How long was that? It was great. It was great. I don't know how long it was. Not, it was not, about half the time that I had. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've got uh, a, a great question just popped in, and essentially they said this, and um, whoever wants to jump on it, help yourself. It says, how do we separate between getting walked on, uh, walked all over, and serving others? We're called to serve others, but how do we determine when we're, when we're being taken advantage of um, and when we're serving, and, and, and what do we do when we figure that out? Uh, I think the best way to try to figure out what that looks like is to look at the life of Jesus. If you want to see what it means to serve strongly, it's him. Um, and you see, because you see the meekness, you see him on the cross, you see him before Pontius Pilate where he does not answer certain questions. He just sits there uh, because he knows, he knows the answer. He knows what's coming. Um, and he knows where his place is. And, you know, the, the arrest is a, is a great example as well. Um, if, if Something I just realized not that long ago is reading through that passage again, and somehow I had missed this, the, you know, 50 times I'd read it before, but right as they're coming, like all of the people, all of the Roman soldiers just fall on the ground. Well, they try to arrest Jesus. They all just fall on the ground because God knocked them over. And so... That was the message, hey, you know, you know who you're dealing with here. So to serve boldly, but to do it with truth. If you know you're coming at your service from Scripture, that's, that's the line. And if, and if people are going to mock you and make fun of you, which they will, um, you know you're in the right place.
I think like when it comes to serving, I think there's two really key aspects to it, which would be serving humbly and serving with a genuine heart. So if you're doing it to get like attention, then that's not a genuine heart. And if you're doing it to like feel prideful, then you're not serving in a humble way. So I think those are two really key important aspects of serving. But as well, you need to also know your limits. So like not feeling like you're getting used or like trampled on. I think it's okay to say no no to service opportunities. I think I'm learning that right now. I read a book called Present Over Perfect. Um, it's directed more at girls, but guys can read it too. But it was like basically saying like, you're allowed to say no to some things. And like, I feel like we don't hear that enough in the church. Like, I feel like we're always have to be like, you have to keep going, you have to go, 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 go. But sometimes you need to like care for yourself and say no and find silence with God in some aspects. So you should definitely always be serving humbly and with a genuine heart, but you also need to know when it's time for you to rest as well. Awesome, I think that's a, that's a big part of it, is, is to, to really, I think it's a collaboration of the first two answers that we got. You need to seek God in that and understand what he's calling you to do, and then you need to do that. I think there's times where, where we go and we say, hey, God, what do you want me to do here? Um, is this person taking advantage of me? Are they, you know, am I doing this for the right reasons? I think that you will really know as you search God through prayer and his word and, and through your connection uh, with others, I think you will begin to know what the answer is. And then the hard part is then to do it. Like, I think there's times where, where God says, hey, I want this person, you know, I want this person to, I want you to be in this person's life. And so that you may feel that they're taking advantage of you. They may be, but it is better for them to have you in their, in their life than to not. And so I think what you need to do is, is seek counsel from, you know, your small group leader, from people like this on the panel. Um, you need to seek God's counsel, seek what he's calling you to do through prayer, through meditation on his word. Um, and then there's a lot of the times where we know the answer and we say, well, I need to keep praying it out. I, need to, I want a specific answer when we know that God's given us that answer. And so go after that, do that, trust in God and know that his plan is far better than yours. And so a um, couple quick answers. Um, no, I'm not the reincarnation of Billy Mays. We don't believe in that here. Um, so here's, here's a, a, a good question that is just, just, just a good one. I, I know that a lot of high school students deal with this. And so why is cursing frowned upon, uh, in the Christian religion? Uh, there's a verse in, <laughs> I believe it's in Ephesians, uh, talks about, uh, let no coarse talking or coarse joking come out of your mouth. So. I mean, the reason it's frowned upon is because the Bible frowns upon it. Um, you know, there's, you don't want to get too wrapped up in the specific details of, you know, what is a curse word. I mean, there's certain ones you know they are, um, but sometimes they change. So, you know, the culture will define what's a bad word and what's not a bad word. Um, and certain places in the world, um, some things are a bad word. Like, if, for example, if you go to Australia, do not do this. That's the okay sign here, not the okay sign in Australia. That's giving somebody the middle finger in Australia. Don't do that. Um, so it's, some of it's cultural, but the key, I think, is to try to flip that around and focus on the positive because that same passage in Ephesians talks about doing things to glorify God and to build others up. And so our goal as Christians is to build others up, not to tear them down. So if we try to focus less on the what am I not supposed to do and focus more on the what should I do, um, you'll, you'll have an easier time with that. 
Cool. Wendy, take it away. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, I didn't grow up with coarse language in my house, but um, we had a really funny, fun family and regular people. And But um, I will tell you that I worked in a, a PR agency. It's just one of the first things people notice, whether you do or you don't. And not that um, we're living by works or anything, but it is something that looks a lot like the culture around us. It's just what the culture does. And uh, I think we can be different. And it's hard to be different. It is, I know, I remember. And I remember feeling weird when I could tell people were saying like, what the hell, <laughs> trying to change it to heck in the middle of it, because I was around. But, um, and I never asked anybody to change their language for me. But it is something that people notice. And um, I just think if, if your heart is pricked by the Holy Spirit in you to say, that's probably not pleasing to God, follow that, listen to that, because God tells us what's pleasing to him. And um, be careful, because you know we're not living by works, but who, who are you out to please? Are you out to please men, or are you out to please God? So it's just something to, to gauge your heart on. And know that um, God, God's going to love you and walk you through that. But um, it is something really, I think, to take kind of process what you're saying. And especially in this culture where you guys are writing everything, <laughs> it's pretty permanent online. It just is. When you text, you write, you post, you, you comment, um, you're putting a lot of stuff in writing that might be, one day you might go, oh, when you've you know, grown older, like, wow, I wish I wouldn't have. So um, just be thoughtful about it and ask the Lord to show you in your heart whether that's something he wants. That's great. And that, that, that verse, it was, that Dan talked about, it was, um, it is Ephesians 4.29. It says, no, let, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may, be, <clears throat> that it may give gro- grace to those who, who hear it. I think that's really what it is, is a lot of the times in that that. that, that corrupt language, that coarse language, those, those curse words that we use, usually it's not building someone up. And, and I think that's what, that's what we're called to do there. Um, so this is one that, that it looks like it's gotten likes. And so I feel like my life is a roller coaster of highs and lows in my faith. I've tried to fix it, but sometimes it's, uh, but it seems like nothing is solid. What can I do? I think our walk with God is always going to have these ups and downs. And I think in order to have a relationship with God, you can't gauge it on an emotional reaction. So you can't feel like you're close to God because you go on a retreat or you're at Camp Carl and you have like this big spiritual high at worship. I think having a good, genuine relationship with God is finding God in those mundane, everyday moments. So steps that you can do is really digging into your Bible and like, for a while, it may not work very well. For a while, you may feel like I'm still not feeling very close to God, but it's so important to persevere through that. So finding time to pray with God, to be silent with God, to study the Bible, to ask questions to your D group leaders, to ask questions in the leaders in this room, that will always help. So it sounds like a silly answer, but like going back to scripture is so important in our walk with God. Uh, one of the great Psalms is Psalm 42, and, and if you haven't begun to like the Psalms, they seem a little weird sometimes, but I think they're really honest prayers about the reality of life, and so you have great joys and you have great pain and difficulty, 
And uh, one of the ones I just love, it's Psalm 42, because it just talks so much about the difficulty that we have. And I think that's the hard part in life is that it's this up and down, back and forth. You know, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. You know, there's something really missing uh, is what's going on. Man, I, I, I'm like totally spent. I got nothing left. Uh, and all of us get to the end of our rope, Right depends on what season we're in that that being not having what we need is a part of this experience that's not a part of of eternity but it is a part of this experience here on this side of eternity you know my tears have been my food day and night okay this guy's not happy (laughs) my tears have been my food uh yummy wow good salty tears (laughs) yummy it's like electrolytes um, but, you know, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, this person's not happy, but, but l- listen, to what, listen to what this psalmist does in the midst of their struggle. And this is, this is the, the habits that we need to have is when I'm joyful, I need to praise God. When I'm struggling, I, I've got to hold on to him. And those times are so valuable and so helpful because it trains us to what we need to, what really is important in life. And it's our relationship with him. Uh, he says, you know, why, why are you so uh, cast down? Why are you so downcast, my soul? You know, why are you so in turmoil within me? You know, and what does he say? He, here's the thing to do. Put your hope in God, for I shall again praise him. And, okay, and now this prayer is not like, Oh, happy jappy. Oh, this is so good. Now I'm happy. It's like, no. I mean, I think there is, that is a future tense. I shall praise him again. Um, and, the, and the whole part of the psalm was, Lord, get, get me back into a place of worship. That's what I want because that's when I know that I am most fulfilled, most uh, ready to serve others, and just most alive. But that, that honesty that the Psalms have of difficulty and pain and anger and joy and hope, those are all wrapped up in there. And so if you don't know, ask Ryan or your D group leader for their favorite Psalm, because I, I, I guarantee you they probably have one. One of your friends might have a favorite Psalm because it talks about the emotional part of life. That is just, it's, it's a reality. Can I pop in here? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> uh, just a quick analogy. Um, <clears throat> your life is going to have ups and downs, and that's going to continue until you're dead. Um, so that's just the way it is. <laughs> so I, I, hate to be, I hate to be a downer. Like when you're an adult, your life does not necessarily smooth out. Um, but the, the key is where's your anchor? And, and the, the analogy that comes to mind is like a kite. You know, when you, if you see a kite in the air, it's, it's flying around, and, and it can move a lot or it can move a little, but there's always somebody at the bottom who's got a hold of it. And so, you know, unlike if you've ever seen a balloon launched, you don't want to be the balloon. The balloon has no tether. It's just floating wherever the wind blows it. There's nothing controlling it. Whereas with a kite, there is somebody on the ground. That somebody needs to be God, and that has to be anchored in his word so that, but he still lets you go because he wants you to soar like a kite. He wants to show you off to the world, but he's got hold of you so that you're not going to fly away. That was awesome. I like that. 
Um, can I just also say um, hormones, like, and <laughs> seriously, I, and like just life is, you know, you have a lot of challenges and high school is not like the most fun place of life sometimes. It, it wasn't for me. And my senior year of high school was like one of my year, worst years of high school. Um, so I just, like, we look at high school sometimes and I think we bring this, like, it's the best four years of your life and there's more. But just know that, like, God is there through all of that, that stuff. And sometimes we feel a way, we, just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's actually true of your situation. Like, I was, I hit March this year and I felt terrible physically and I started stressing. And the things that were true around me were still the same, that... God is at work in this ministry, and God is at work in my home, and all these things are true, but I felt like they weren't true. So just be careful of that. Like, there are just going to be days where you're like, I got to take a nap, and God, God is still God. Like, you need to focus on what's true, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Like, try to get your mind there, because um, days are hard, and like I said, high school is not all it's cracked up to be sometimes, and, and there's so much after that. Um, so try not to get too much. Like, I got a peak here. I got a peak in high school because um, it's just not the time of life that sometimes we, we build it up to be. It's a great time, and it can be, and God works in those things. But there's more out there, and so try not to get, like, this day is going to define me. You know, God defines who you are and, and what he's going to do with your life. And he's seen the day ahead, and he's seen the day before, and he's already gone before you. So um, just remember that sometimes our feelings take us down a spiral. <laughs> and if we don't have that anchor at the bottom, sometimes we bottom out. That's good. And I think to, to speak to what Wendy just said, that whole, that defining day, it, here, here's my, my honest to goodness belief is um, if you find yourself as a believer, uh, as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, your defining day was the day you made that decision. Um, and so from there, there can be a lot of days where you question, is this my defining day? But when you look back, you can say, no, that was a defining day because that was the day that I began to live for Jesus, the person who loves me more than, more than anyone else. Um, and so I need to find my security in him. I need to find my significance in him. And I need to find my acceptance in him. And when you can find that as your defining moment and you can say, now I know I'm defined by being secure, significant, and accepted in Jesus, then you're good. You know, that's my defining day. There will be a lot of great days to follow that. Uh, but that will be your defining moment. And so um, question for the ladies. One real quick, Betsy. Um, somebody said, what was the name of the book that you said? You, named, you, you said about a book. What was the name of It's book? called Present Over Perfect. It has like an ocean on it and like white shoes on it. Abby Pritchard gave it to me, so you can ask her too. Yeah, that's it. Shauna Nequist. Look it up. It's a good book. <laughs> Awesome. So uh, thanks for that, Betsy. We are going to transition into the theme and topic of relationships and dating, getting a lot of questions. And so um, <clears throat> this one, uh, I got to find it real quick when he's excited. Um, <clears throat> so um, so uh, Wendy and Betsy, this one is for you. It says, um, let me find it. So essentially, I can't find it, but essentially it said, how do you, uh, as, a, as a young lady, how, are, how can you be friendly and engage with, with uh, everyone, but not come across as forward? Like, how can you engage and, and, and remain friends, I'm thinking probably with guys, um, and, but at the same time, not be super forward in that whole thing? You guys take it away. I think when it comes to relationships at all with, as girls, 
when you're trying to be friends with guys, I think it's really important to first guard your heart. Um, and that would mean praying about guarding your heart. That would mean not getting too close to a guy that, like, he becomes your emotional support. You can be, definitely be friends with guys, but they shouldn't be your number one ultimate person. And I think you find that when you get married, but I think in the dating world and when you're just being friends, um, guys and girls should not be too emotionally close to each other. So I think that would be a restraining on the relationship, but I think pulling back a little bit. Definitely be close to guys. Definitely have a relationship with them, but there has to be a clear line that both of you aren't each other's person, if that makes any sense. Um, I think you can be friendly without being flirtatious, and you probably kind of know the difference, but if you don't, then you should probably ask one of your girlfriends <laughs> if you seem flirtatious. But, um, you know, sometimes we can be just a really personable, like a huggy person or a touchy person, but it's going to give that impression that, you know, if you hug or touch a lot, it feels like more than a friendship. So you might want to guard that and be careful of that. Um, you can be friendly without being really uh, longing looks in the eyes or, you know. So I think you probably can gauge that and a good friend or a good adult person in your life can help, guard, help you guard that. And how you dress. I mean, if you're dressing provocatively or there's a lot of skin or, you know, you need to be careful of that because guys tend to be a little more visual. And so you may be thinking you're not, you're just being yourself. <laughs> Sorry, girls. I love these girls. But um, you might be like, this is just me. But it might, a guy might think, hey, she's sending me signals. So be friendly, be kind, be real. And um, I think just, again, like Betsy said, you guard your heart and you guard the vibes you're giving off. And if you're trying to attract everybody in the room, think about why. You know, because God, God's going to lead you as you follow him to the to person he's, um, to, maybe you'll date 10 people. But when you're, if you think about who you're dating for the purpose of marriage, it might change how you interact with people. Like, you're looking for the person you want to hopefully spend your life with, and that changes, I think, how you interact with people when you're like, is this someone that I might want to get to know, you know, more personally? Good. I don't know if that's helpful. I was friendliest in the yearbook, so I don't know if I... <laughs> I was but you weren't with most everybody. forward. Right, Wendy? <laughs> you weren't most forward? So there we go. <laughs> So if you need touchy, to know how to be friendly and not forward, talk to Wendy. She's great with that. Real quick, 30-second answer from, um, from each of our ladies. It says, um, <clears throat> it says how, do you, um, how can you keep a clear definition of dressing modestly while living in this society that we live in? Okay. So the Bible doesn't give clear explanations of how what's modest and what's not. So... I think what's really important is how you dress. You need to know why you're dressing like that. If you're dressing in shorts and a t-shirt because it's hot, then that's fine. But if you're dressing in like shorts and a t-shirt because you want attention, then that's not cool. So you should be dressing in a way that is respectful. And I think it's hard as Christian girls to try to think outside of ourselves. So when I was in high school, I didn't want to think about having to dress in order to be respectful of other guys. But I think you need to show respect to your brothers in Christ. Not that you take all the credit for if they're looking at you in a way that's like on them, but you also need to be respectful of them. So thinking outside of yourself and understanding why you're dressing the way that you are. 
That was good. There are parts of our bodies that are more sexualized in this culture and that are God gave us for those. Th so those are parts that you want to be careful of how much attention you're drawing to them. Is that? That's great. That's awesome. Um, one that's off the topic of dating. Don't worry, we'll get back to that because I know you guys have a lot of questions. But Dan, this is one I have for you because it's something that I would love to, it's, it's a hard one to answer. It says, how do you defend your faith without angering or pushing away those who don't believe in Christ? Yeah, that's, um, for those of you who don't know, apologetics is maybe my favorite topic. Um, and, and actually, out in the world, my two favorite topics are politics and religion. So, <laughs> Great dinner religion. table conversation. <laughs> religion, Jesus. Right, Got to pay attention. Pay attention. So uh, the key to apologetics, there's uh, a verse that I usually use, um, 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16, and it talks about being able to provide an answer for the hope that you have within you. That's kind of like the, the theme verse for apologetics. But people tend to forget what comes after that is, but do it with gentleness and respect. Um, I, I love apologetics. I love to debate people. But you have to be aware you will never, well, never is a strong word, virtually never are you going to debate somebody to become a Christian. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you need to be able to provide answers to people's questions to the best of your ability with the full understanding that I don't know, let me check, is a perfectly acceptable answer. But it's got to be, it has to come across that as you're providing these answers through apologetics, that the reason that you're doing it is because you care about the person you're yeah. talking to. And all of us are human beings and are always aware when somebody's speaking to you, are they speaking to you out of concern for you or some other reason. It's just obvious from body language, from tone. So the, the beginning part of that answer is make sure you actually care about the person that's asking you a question. Because if you do, if you truly care about providing them an answer, if you care about providing them the truth, that will come across. Any other panelists want to chime in? Pastor Mike said, um, we want to be in a position where someone, um, be ready for the, um, how's the verse go? I was trying to look for it. To provide the hope. Yes, to, to give an answer. But that implies that someone is even comfortable asking you the question. And are we the kind of people that someone would ever even ask a question to? So if you can come at them with the, the, the humility of spirit that someone actually trusts that they could ask you a question. Um, that was a good test for me. Not that I go banging on, on people's doors, but I think, you know, are we really actually in love for them? The, and do we have a relationship where we, they won't even want to ask us or feel like they could and that we wouldn't come down on them with our beliefs, um, but that we would have a conversation? Good. Betsy, you saying something? Are you good? You good? Okay. 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 <clears throat> um, Back to dating. Is it bad to date for fun, or should you always date to marry? Because I have three girls. Stay away from my girls, guys. All of you. <laughs> Dane, we have been getting a lot of comments about Betsy being cute and, and yeah, and to, to, to poke her, which is weird. But go ahead. Um, no, you know, it, it's fine to date for fun, uh, but I do think, uh, 
you know, at some point in time, there will be a transition, and you'll, you'll begin to think, okay, this, this isn't just about the fun of conquering the next person, like, oh, yeah, gosh, I went out with him, I went out with her, wow, which is so much about, <laughs> right, right, everyone, it's a big competition, you know. Um, but at some point in time, um, you have to begin to think through um, what, where do I want to be? Because eventually you're going to look like me. I'm sorry, okay? You're going to look like Dan and Wendy. Okay? It, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's just going to happen, okay? So your life changes. And at those points in time, you want somebody who does not, it's not what your high school scene says is the right thing. You're looking for somebody who can love you, who can take care of stuff, who has, who has abilities and skills you don't have. Uh, you want a partner that will be able to go through life because life, uh, life gets really messy as you get older. Uh, and you need somebody who's gonna help you in Christ move ahead, who's gonna be there when those, you have those huge ups and downs of life that you just do. Uh, so at, at some point in time, that, that has to change. Uh, the bummer for many people is that during those dating years, there is stuff that, that goes on, the pain of getting zapped and, uh, and going too far, all that stuff, that stuff stays with you uh, regardless of, of, of how um, pure later on or how different your life is later on, that stuff stays with you. Um, and so, um, so many people make mistakes and get beat up and wounded from their dating years uh, because they were just kind of playing and having fun. Uh, and so, uh, I would say, if you're gonna date for fun, just date for fun. Uh, but but remember that, that, that you're really beginning to say, well, how, how can I have a relationship with somebody else? How, how do I do that? Um, because eventually that, that's what you want in a marriage. Um, so, you know, uh, I won't say what we say about boys in our house, but, you know, it's the dating scene is, is, can be hard and rough on both sides. I will tell you that, right? Everyone say, yeah, eh? So, sort of answering it, there you go. Really has a question. Oh, I don't need that, I don't okay. How long until dating your spouses, sorry, did you know that they were pregnant? <laughs> Quick 15 second answer from everyone who's married. How did you know that they were the one? Oh, about six months. Yeah, that was old. <laughs> I, I would say probably six months, and I was not old. I was 21, um, and my wife was 20 when we got married. Um, but, and, and a short thing on the, the dating for fun, um, people have different opinions on that. What I would say, if you're going to date for fun, make sure both parties are aware that's what you're doing. Yeah. Because um, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. If you're having fun and they think it's serious, <laughs> that's a problem. Steve proposed after six months, but my parents were on board. He had talked to my parents, and I knew that I really, really loved him. But um, it, we actually had a, an engagement time that we got to know each other even better. 
And I had dated enough for, for fun and some guys that I was serious about that I, I knew what I didn't want. And we actually look back now, sometimes our kids know some of our past boyfriends and girlfriends, and we look them up on Facebook every now and then. And we're like, thank you, Jesus, that you did not let me marry this person. Are they ugly now, or do they have warts or scabby? Uh, <laughs> things have changed since high school but uh, and college. So, yeah, uh, took us. Uh, I needed, uh, it seems like men know, or the, the guys know very quickly once um, sometimes they're a little older when they know. But um, I needed that time to get to know him better and to hammer out a lot of things with him and how, we, how our lives would be. But I needed my parents. My, I have great parents. So I entrusted, I would say, like another mentor or someone who knows you well is a good person. If that, when my mom didn't like the guy before Steve, thank God she kind of went after me. And I was really mad at her for a while. But that guy would have been awful for me. And I know that for a fact, um, even knowing him now a little bit, he's out of town, but just knowing what he's done, I'm just saying, but your moms and dads who love you with all their heart, um, those good people, grandparents, when they're like, hey, red flag, it's hard, but uh, listen, because <laughs> they love you. Like, your parents don't want to remove a good thing from your life if they're good parents who love the Lord. They want the best for you, so that's me. I think that's good. Um, <clears throat> I think the big thing um, with dating is if you're wanting to get into a dating relationship, my question for you to ask is why, like, why am I pursuing this relationship? What am I hoping to gain from this? Like if you're, if you are wanting to date for fun, what is your hope of gaining from that relationship? If you're looking to date for marriage, what are you hoping to gain from that relationship? I think before you get into a relationship, you should identify some of those things that you want, um, and, and then pursue those things. Um, and second, what Dan said, if it is a fun relationship, you have to communicate that. Um, and so, um, you know, definitely do that because you don't want to destroy relationships that you have um, or hurt other people unintentionally because you did not communicate on the front end. Um, this is the last question. This is our zinger. It's a question that we get almost that, that almost every high school student has. Ryan Shumway had this question as a high school student. And so when it comes to dating and relationships, the dreaded, how far is too far? Okay, so I think to answer this question, you have to first change your mindset. So instead of thinking it is like, what's a sin and what's not a sin? Like, what can I get away with and what can I not get away with? Start to consider what's a wise and what's an unwise decision. So that would, it's a harder question. Like, it's a, it's a harder answer, but... For example, is it wise or unwise to hang out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend at midnight when no one is home? That's probably an unwise decision, so you probably shouldn't do that. There's no scripture that says that's a sin, but you just have to start considering what's wise and what's unwise. So, yeah, that's all I have to say. Uh. I actually had heard a, a friend of mine say this. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. He said, basically, if, if that part of your body is covered with underwear, don't touch it. You know, that, it's like, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the general idea, again, is, you know, what Betsy said. Is not, don't look at it as, how far can I go? Because the, the problem with that is there's no, that line, it's, it's, it's blurry. And the, the problem with that is, is you will unfortunately 
find yourself falling across that line very quickly. So don't try to butt up against the line. That, that's not the right way to think about it. Is, you know, try to think of, you know, why am I doing this? You know, it's, and again, going back to scripture and are, are you glorifying God in your relationship? That's, that's of course the ultimate, the ultimate question. Am I glorifying God in my relationship? And if you're not, you shouldn't be doing it. Well, and, and even asking the question, how far can I go is what can I get? And what can I get is really is at its base is not even a, a standpoint of am I being a loving person? Um, you know, we're to love, you know, God with all our heart, heart, mind and soul and love others as ourselves. And part of love is learning how can I accept and want the very best for somebody else. Um, and love sounds easy to say, but it's really, really hard to live out, to say, gosh, am I, how can I help someone know that they are okay just the way they are, but how can I help and want the very best for them? Um, and if you're starting with the question, gosh, how far can I go? You're already going, you're not living the life of love. Um, and in the long run, you'll pay a, you'll, you, we always pay a cost when we don't live by love. We just do. You won't, you won't pay it off right away, but eventually there, there are consequences to everything that we do. And if we learn to love, and if you can learn right now how to love, accept somebody, and want the very best for them right now, uh, that will reap such great benefits in your marriage. Um, later on. It just does. You'll know the benefits of living that way. You'll experience them come back to you in, in beautiful ways. My kids will make fun of me, but um, God just made some of these things for, uh, he made sex and those related <laughs> activities to be bonding for us and to unite us in a way that is mysterious. So, even kissing, I mean, just read an article about the saliva and that God created those things to bond us and to create desire. And so you got to be careful because that's what he made it for. And, and, and it's good. It was a beautiful thing that God made it for, for husband and wife to have that, those things that bond us together. And, and those hormones and things that are released bond you over time and um, in that activity. So God you know, you, could, you don't want to be bonded to a lot of people in your life, and you have a lot of memory for that kind of touch and that kind of stuff. So um, when, he, when Dane said earlier, it lingers, those relationships linger, and those things linger in your mind, and um, you are bonded to someone, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, and God can redeem, and God does good things along the way, but um, you want to be really careful of that. And sometimes that, can, that physical relationship confuses your logic, <laughs> in this person isn't good for me because you are attracted and so bonded to that you feel this you feel loved sometimes by this person that maybe isn't going to be good for you in the long run it confuses the whole thought process so be very careful and and very wise and ask the lord for that kind of love like help me see this person the way you see them and help me treat them the way you would have me treat them and 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 talk to some other people. Keep some other people in your life that are willing to talk through that stuff. You can do it. Awesome. <clears throat> Just to, to, to tie a nice bow on that one, um, 
So I, here, here's my, my personal belief on that. Um, so if you are, uh, are, are wondering how far is too far, anything below the neck is too far. Um, and for some of you, kissing is too far. And so it's up to you to, to as you grow in your relationship with God, to begin to say, well, if I begin, if in a relationship I start kissing my significant other, is that going to cause me to want to go further? And the reality is it probably will. Um, we, we have limited self-control. Self-control is a false safety mechanism that we all trust too much in that we can't really rely on. I think that, I think the other thing beyond that is, you know, I think a lot of the times we, we, we think that, Hey, God says pursue virginity. But I think even more than that, it's yes, pursue virginity, but God is saying pursue purity. And so purity is so much more than, than virginity as we look at the topic of dating and, and, and going too far, how far is too far, how much can I do? The reality is if, if, if we're towing the line, it's easy to fall over. And so the best thing for you to do is say, all right, the line is there, and so I'm going to back away from it and make sure that I do whatever it is I need to do and ask God to help me to not get anywhere close to the line so that in a, in a, in a moment or in a relationship, I find myself crossing the line. And so, hey, you had a lot of great questions. Here's the thing. Um, my last question for you guys that I want you to respond to but before we do that, let's thank our panelists for just the great wisdom that they brought this morning. Uh, my last question for you as you guys I, pull out your phone, if you've texted something in or not, was this helpful? Was it helpful? Yes or no? Would you like to continue to see days like today? Was this helpful? If your question wasn't answered, my hope is that we can answer it down the road. We've only got so much time. We had a ton of questions. And so if your question didn't get answered, here's the thing. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to me. My hope too is to talk through some of these questions that you've asked and full messages as we look at God's word and as we apply what God has called us to do in our lives. And so shoot that over. Was this helpful today? And if you have any feedback, like do this, don't do that, um, let me know that as well. So um, I'm going to pray for us. Um, the band's going to come up and sing, but let's bow our heads uh, and give God thanks for what he's done this morning. Father God, uh, we thank you for today. Lord, um, <clears throat> Lord, I understand that this is a world that we live in that, that it is difficult to navigate through. Father, as we look to your word, we don't always get clear-cut answers, but it is my hope, Father, that as we navigate through your word, as we navigate through the relationships that we have with others, with our, our D group leaders, with our small group leaders, with our friends, as we seek you in prayer, Father, we can find that you have answered some of these questions. And so it's my prayer, Father, that we would boldly pursue those, that we would boldly go after you. Um, and Father, I thank you for a place where we have people who are a little further down the road that can answer some of these questions that we have, that can walk beside us. God, I thank you for the, the small group leaders, for the volunteers in this room that say, I love high school students so much that I want to walk beside them in, in some of the most fun and most difficult times of their lives so that we can put them on a path to give back to the kingdom so that they can come, they can pour into future generations. God, we thank you for this. It's my prayer, Father, that we would lift our voices to worship you this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen.